Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program covering a wide variety of topics of interest to people with vision loss. I'm Nancy Goodman Torpy. And I'm Pete Torpy. If we offer the same opportunities and same units in a safe way, the kids with visual impairments should be able to do everything their peers are doing. And that's called the dignity of risk. And what we'll be talking about today is a great experience for visually impaired youth to go to a camp in which they can learn to be active and participate with other people. We'll talk with Lauren Lieberman, founder and director of Camp Abilities, about the program and the benefits it provides to visually impaired youth who otherwise might have missed out on such opportunities to participate in activities with their peers. But first for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Lauren Lieberman. See the potential in every person. Don't limit your expectations just because a person might have a disability. And as you'll hear in the rest of the show, she brings out the potential in these children, not just in terms of the sports activities, but in terms of so many other life lessons that are really valuable. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by... The Intracortical Visual Prosthesis Project, as described in Episode 2151. Interested volunteer participants can learn more at www.chicagolighthouse.org slash ICVP or contact them at ICVP at IIT.edu. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. Let's start by meeting Lauren. Lauren, you've been on Eyes on Success several times before, and you do some exciting things. But for our listeners who may not have heard you before, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Dr. Lauren Lieberman, and I'm a distinguished service professor from SUNY Brockport in Brockport, New York, and I teach undergraduate and graduate courses in adapted physical education. And I also am the founder and director of Camp Abilities, which is a sports camp for children who are visually impaired, blind, and deafblind. And you've been doing that for some time now. How long has Camp Abilities been around? Since 1996, 27 years. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's been an amazing intense journey and uh, still going on. Eyes on Success is made possible in part by our corporate partners. Underwriting pairs the impact of targeted marketing with the integrity of community goodwill. Learn more by sending an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. This week's focus topic is Camp Abilities. What's special about it and how it has grown since we last did an episode about it several years ago. Camp Abilities is quite an exciting project that you put together for kids of many ages. Tell us a little bit about Camp Abilities and what it is before we get into some of the details. Sure. It's an educational sports camp for kids with visual impairment. So basically, we teach the kids different sports, Paralympic sports, such as goalball, tandem biking, swimming, judo, track and field. 
and also after school sports so that they can be on their after school sports teams as well as train for future Paralympic sports if that's what they choose. But we also teach them a lot of different recreation activities like rock climbing, kayaking, fishing, hiking, stand-up paddleboarding, things like that. Now, what I think is really special about Camp Abilities is how you integrate what you're doing with the visually impaired youth and what you're doing with people who are at the college or graduate level studying how to become phys ed teachers of adapted phys ed programs. Can you talk about that some? Sure. I mean, some of you might know this, that teaching a child with a visual impairment can only be taught by teaching a child with a visual impairment. So you can't learn it from a book. You can't learn it from a video. So our goal, in addition to empowering the kids to understand what they need to be successful in sports, is also to teach our undergraduate and graduate students, how do you teach kids who are visually impaired or deafblind? And most universities and colleges in their intro to adapted physical education class devote maybe one hour at the most to teaching kids with visual impairments. So if they didn't have this capabilities opportunity or experience, unless they had kids with visual impairments in their field experience or in their student teaching, they probably would not have ever taught a child with a visual impairment before they graduated. But that means that they're going to be a teacher who's never taught a child with a visual impairment teaching the kids who come into their classes, which will likely have visual impairments. So to me, this is imperative, not just for Brockport, but to continue to start campabilities in other parts of the country and other parts of the world. So Pete, as a kid with a visual impairment, I know this wasn't recent. How did that work out for you in your mainstreamed gym class? (laughs) I was barred from doing contact sports when I was a kid because I had detached retinas, and I never took gym. My impression was that Camp Abilities is like a summer camp for kids. Is that right? But you also talked about after-school programs. Right. And so Camp Abilities is typically a summer sports camp, but now most of our camps have evolved to also offering programs throughout the year. For example, we just had an outdoor adventure camp this past Saturday for the day. So we had 15 kids come for the day and my students helped teach them rock climbing, biking, and fishing. And then next week, we're going to have another one. And so like, for example, Camp Abilities Saratoga is having a weekend camp in two weeks. So a lot of our camps, because of the need of the kids has evolved, but we teach them after school sports so that they can do their after school sports programs. For example being on the swim team, being on the track and field team, that kind of thing. That's great. So it gives them the tools to be able to participate just like other children will. Exactly. And we also do a lot of modification checklists so they know what modifications they need. We teach them how to self-advocate so they can speak up to their coaches or their parents or teachers and tell them exactly what they need. Because our goal is for the child to be independent and to be able to share their modification needs with whoever's in the room at the time. 
And that's so important because often the people who are running these other programs for primarily the sighted community don't know what adaptations or modifications might be needed. So it's important for the student to be able to advocate themselves. Exactly, Peter. Like you could say to your physical education teacher, look, I can play volleyball. I just need a partner. I need to use a beach ball. Then maybe put some bells on the net and modifying the rules. And that's some of the ways that our kids will be able to engage in volleyball with their peers. Now, you're in Brockport, New York, but you also talked about programs in Saratoga. Campabilities has many locations around the country, I take it. So Campabilities now has over 20 locations in the U.S. and 10 locations around the world. A few weeks ago, I was just in Kenya, and we had a Campabilities in Kenya. And in the fall of 2019, I was awarded a global Fulbright scholarship from the U.S. government to start Campabilities in other countries. And I, in my sabbatical, my wife and I went to Brazil and Ireland and Ghana and we helped them start campabilities in those countries. And we also have been going to Latvia. I've gone to Bangladesh, Ireland. We have camps all over the world, and it's exciting, and they're still growing. Wow, you've really expanded this program. Mm-hmm. I understand that you also use campabilities as an opportunity to do research to develop better methods for teaching adaptive phys ed. Exactly. We, we look a lot at instructional strategies. And so, for example, two summers ago, we were going to do an intervention on outdoor adventure. But because we had to go virtual, we just had the same kids who were coming to camp and we did a study on their outdoor adventure experiences. So it gives us an opportunity to interview kids and learn about what makes them successful. And we just got that that study was accepted. But another cool thing we did was because of COVID, we had a virtual campabilities the last two summers. And then last semester, because my students couldn't do a practicum, we made an entire three-month all-semester practicum for the kids with visual impairments and their coach. So there was 30 kids in this program and there were one-to-one coaches and they Zoomed or FaceTime with them for the whole three months of the class at least once a week. And the kids got to do fitness and sports and recreation over Zoom with their coach. And we interviewed the kids and we did focus groups with the coaches to see, was this an effective experience? And of course, we all know that a face-to-face experience is better, but it was still an effective experience. And all the kids improved in fitness and motor skills during the course of that three-month experience. So we do a lot of research during camp. And we do a lot of research with the kids from camp throughout the year. I also run an institute with my colleagues from Brockport called the Institute on Movement Studies for Individuals with Visual Impairment or Deaf Blindness. And we were just recognized by the American Foundation for the Blind as the lead researchers in the U.S. for this organization, which was a real honor. Of course, we had to get the award virtually because they didn't have the conference. (laughs) But we, if you want to look on our website, we've got lots of research projects and videos that we've created because we don't just do the research. We do the research and then we help disseminate the training information to help parents, teachers, and community members help kids with visual impairments access sports and recreation. Which is so cool because your typical camp session lasts for a week, but the effects of that on the actual participants, so the campers, 
the counselors who are mostly students and now the research facet of the whole thing, it really extends for years and years and years. Well, it has to. What we need to do is we need to continue to help the people that are going to be working directly with them and the community and the kids themselves to access sports and recreation. Because just like Peter's saying, when they don't know what to do, unfortunately, they say you're exempt. And then the kids are on the sidelines and they'll never know their potential. They'll never know what modifications are going to help them access the different sports and recreation. You talked a bit about doing this by video conference during the COVID pandemic. And first of all, I'm curious how that actually worked, because I think of sports as people running around and doing very active things, which isn't really conducive to video conferencing. But I'm also wondering whether you learned something from that in terms of will there be a carryover and will you be able to use those techniques in the future to expand the program in different ways to people who you otherwise couldn't reach? The first summer of the pandemic, we sent every child campabilities in a bag, a bag full of equipment. So they had soccer balls and basketballs and tethers and jump ropes and therabands and shot puts and discuses so that we could teach them how to play soccer and goal ball. We give them a goal ball and shot put and discus and running. And so over the screen in our virtual camp, we had specialists teaching the kids in small groups and then we would give them feedback over the Zoom. And, they, and each child had a sibling or a family member with them to help them, whether it was diving for a goal ball, whether it was dribbling a soccer ball, or kind of keeping track of their distance in the running. They worked one-on-one -on -one with the person that they're with, but then they were in their group learning with feedback from the instructor and the, and the group leader. And so we learned from that first year that it really did help. So what we did is we met the kids every Wednesday before the camp to get them ready so that they had the space, they had the equipment, they had the foundation to be successful. And what's really cool is that we could meet the kids on Zoom before our camp, even if it's a face-to-face -face camp. Are you ready? Do you have sneakers, running sneakers? Do you have the right clothes? Do you feel fit enough? What do you need to do to, to get fit enough? And so they can actually start meeting each other as well before the camp. So that can be a great vehicle to connect the kids with each other before camp starts even face-to-face. -face. Oh, that is great. What kind of staff and resources does it take to keep this going? It really takes a village. And if you want to learn more about the Institute, during the pandemic, we made an amazing video about what we do with our Institute on our IMSV website. You talked about all the camp abilities locations around the globe. How are they all connected to you and each other? Well, that's a great question. So the camp abilities are all mirrored or they're all kind of have the same prototype. So the, the, the goals and the values and the, the mission is the same. But each camp, the activities or the sports that they offer are unique to the location and the culture where they have it. So for example, when we were in Kenya, there was no pool. There actually was no track, but we made a track and we made a goalball court. We made a cross country uh, route. And so it was actually sports and activities that are conducive for the area and also ones that are culturally relevant for that country and that area. 
so presumably a lot more focus on soccer in South America and Africa than we have even in the United States. Exactly, exactly. Well, that's really nice. So I guess basically you come in with a kind of a generic template of how to set up a camp, how to organize it, how to keep it going with volunteers and or staff, and then they kind of customize it to their own locations. Exactly. For example, in in Brazil, and I never would have thought of this, in Brazil, they train for the Winter Paralympics on roller skis. So the cross-country skiers from Brazil have these skis with like rollerblade wheels on the bottom. And so they had roller skiing as one of the sports we did in Brazil. And I never would have thought of that when you're in South America and Brazil, but that's how they train. And they are really high level athletes. And they came and taught the kids how to do roller skiing. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was really cool. So we've talked to athletes who do all sorts of surprising sports for people with vision impairment. But you mentioned stand-up paddle boarding, where you stand on a board and it's on water and you paddle with this long oar. I mean, I get it. There's a lot of core strength involved. There's a lot of balance involved. That's not a problem. But how do people who can't see and they're on their own in the middle of the water know where they're going? This, Nancy, that's an amazing question because I would have thought that too. But because I have such amazing staff, they actually put two buoys in the water. They're probably about maybe 100 yards apart at least. And on each buoy, we put a doorbell. And we have kids on the side that are the kids that are waiting, they get to ring the doorbells so that the kids on the stand-up paddleboard paddle towards the doorbell. And they are totally independent because they have a sound source. And we do it on the canal. The Erie Canal is very calm. It doesn't have a lot of traffic. And so they just stand up paddleboard. And the other thing is some of the kids like to sit on the paddleboard or kneel, and that's totally fine. We They can do whatever position they feel comfortable. Some of the kids even start out with their coach sitting with them. They sit in front and then they learn how to kneel and then stand up with their coach before they do it independently. With, I don't know if you know about the expanded core curriculum for children with visual impairments. In education for the blind, what they're finding is that kids with visual impairments were getting really good grades in school. They were passing and then they would get to college or they get to their work experience and they weren't successful. So they looked at all the variables where the kids were failing or, or not succeeding. And they found nine areas that the kids weren't getting in school in their core areas. And they're called the expanded core curriculum. And there are things like recreation, socialization, technology, self-determination, career awareness orientation and mobility, independent living skills, sensory efficiency. And the other one is like kind of how you would use like technology to access things like printed material. So we did a study with our camp to see what areas of the expanded core curriculum do the kids learn during the course of our camp. And what we found was not only did every child gain information and knowledge about every area of the expanded core curriculum, but stand-up paddleboarding literally hit every area because of the technology we used 
And then I said, well, what about career awareness? Well, the woman who ran the stand-up paddleboarding loved paddleboarding and that was her business. That's what she did for her job. So she gave the kids a talk about starting your own business with something that you love. And during camp, we have a lot of people come in that are, have different careers and help raise awareness with the kids. Boy, I am really impressed by all the other useful skills you're able to teach the kids while nominally teaching them sports. Camp Abilities is not just sports and recreation. It's lessons for life. It's giving kids opportunities to learn all the different things that are available to them in sports and in the community. And it's making them self-determined where they can make their own choices, not just about what they want to do, but about the modifications that are available for each of those sports and activities. Well, it's interesting. Those nine skills you mentioned, when I listen to that list, I think you don't take a class in some of those, but they come along as sort of ancillary skills that you learn when participating in other activities outside of class or participating in other ways, which sometimes visually impaired individuals wouldn't do normally. Right. You have to intentionally teach them. So independent living skills, making sure the kids can tie their own shoes, put on their own jacket, put on their own helmet. Independent living skills are necessary if you want kids to be independent as adults. Yes. And so many times I realize that somebody else is doing a lot of things and making decisions for the kids. So this is one of our goals is to infuse, intentionally infuse every area of the ECC into camp abilities, because the other issue I, I found is that some organizations for the blind will say, if you're 14 or older, you have to focus on vocational skills or skills to help you in college. And I think what better way to get you ready for college than to live on a college campus in a dorm with other kids and go and eat in the cafeteria and navigate that campus and find out where things are. And so, you know, some organizations are saying that they, the kids shouldn't go to camp abilities and learn sports because they should be learning these independent living skills. And I'm saying they are, they are learning that and then more. Yeah, I think that's right. Sometimes you just need to throw people into a situation and make them succeed as part of their daily life. I mean, the other thing is instead of going and having like a pretend job, at a vocational program, I created real jobs at our camp where they're learning how to do real skills, whether it's with food preparation or with helping with set up the dorms, or some of our participants are even helping us with the research. And that's a real work experience and not some kind of creative experience. And I understand that sometimes we have to do that and they have to intentionally teach kids the vocational opportunities, but I don't see sometimes why we deny kids the opportunity to go to a sports camp because we want them to learn these additional skills that they would be getting at these sports camps. Wow. It sounds like Camp Abilities covers everything from A to Z. Is there anything we missed that you wanted to tell us about also? So there's a couple things. One of the things is, is training parents. We have to teach the parents how to expect their child to reach their potential and not to limit the kids or take away opportunities because they have a visual impairment. And one of the things that we're focusing on now is called the dignity of risk. 
And that goes for the parents and the physical education teachers, because as Peter experienced, the physical education teachers often say, we don't want you to get hurt. But the peers who are cited are getting all those opportunities to play basketball or to run on the track or swim or jump off a diving board and they can get hurt. We, we wouldn't want to take away the same opportunities that their peers are getting because they might get hurt because their peers are having that opportunity and still maybe even getting hurt. And so if we offer the same opportunities and same units in a safe way, the kids with visual impairments should be able to do everything their peers are doing. And that's called the dignity of risk. Yeah, I think sometimes we have a tendency to be overprotective of people who are differently abled. One of the disturbing experiences that I saw in my life was just before I went to graduate school is when I lost most of my vision and I was totally blind. But before that, I had had partial vision and kind of navigated around without a cane and stuff. And so just before starting graduate school, I went to this six-week program where they were teaching blind individuals kind of life skills. And it was depressing to me that at 20 years old, many of these kids, they couldn't tell time. They couldn't cut up their own food and Mm -hmm. feed themselves because parents, out of love, had been doing this for them. But they were totally unprepared to do anything in life. Exactly. So... We have to be careful about being overprotective. Sometimes we have to let people take these risks. Yeah, we see the same thing. And actually, that's when we started using this independence checklist. These are all the things your child can do independently. And these are the things that they learned at our camp that they're doing independently. Don't take that away from them. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Great. You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about camp abilities and how to contact Lauren Lieberman directly. Lauren, if people want to learn more about camp abilities or enroll their kid or even become one of the staff people or volunteers, where would you send them? Or if they want to make a donation, we would really appreciate it as well. So it's www.campabilities.com. Org. And we also have a new website called www.campabilitiesworld.com. And then our institute website is www.brockport.edu slash IMSVI. And that's about all of our research and, the, and our institute functions. And if people had questions for you, could they contact you directly? Sure. And my email is real easy. It's just lieberman at brockport.edu. Can you spell that? Sure. It's L-L-I-E-B as in boy, E-R-M as in man, A-N at brockport.edu. And do you have a social media presence? Well, we have a Camp Abilities Facebook page. And we also have Campabilities Instagram. And again, these opportunities are available worldwide. So no matter where someone is, they can contact you and find out more about either starting one or participating in one in their area, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. 
And as usual, you can find all that contact information in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. That's it for show number 2202. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about the Inspire Low Vision Aid. Inspire is a lightweight headset that enables people with low vision to make the most of the vision they have. We'll speak with Brian Murphy, a sales representative from Iris Vision, about this digital eyewear system and how it can be used in daily life. We will also demonstrate various functions of the device. Catch you all next week. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. You can access the full archive of previous shows, subscribe to the podcast, and much more by going to our website, www.eyesonsuccess.net. If you have questions about anything you've heard on the show or have suggestions for future shows, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Thank you for listening and have a nice day.